What's up, folks? This is Tony Brew and Aaron Dotson. You're listening to Christianity Now, powered by DigitalBibleStudy.org. And you might be listening to it on the Cogitations podcast channel. We hope that you will subscribe to Cogitations. We hope you'll subscribe to the 2 by 2 podcast. Follow both of those pages on Facebook. And that will be an easier way for you to stay in touch with Aaron Dotson and myself. You can also check us out on DigitalBibleStudy.locals.com. And um, if you want to support uh, me directly, uh, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Aaron, how have you been this week? I have been doing well, edging closer every day to another baby in the world for us. That'll work. What, what, have, you, have you got a name for this youngin? Yes, sir. We're going to have another little girl, and her name is going to be Molly. How do you know? <laughs> The, 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 you're supposed to just go with oh. them on that journey and sit back and, and, and figure out what they want and then right. go with them on that journey. Yeah, let them decide all those things. That's what this guy in the NFL, the, the retired NFL player, whoever he is, uh, his son just come out wanting to be a, 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 a daughter. And that's what he said. He said, you know, as a father, you're supposed to figure out what your children want, sit back and, uh, and, and, and experience that with them. And I'm like... <laughs> I remember whenever I was four years old, I climbed up on the on the on the roof of the house through uh, b- b- from this tree, and I was on this uh, awning, and I was going to jump off as soon as a cloud passed by that was low enough that that could that could comfort my fall. <laughs> and uh, but I had a backup plan. Actually, that was the backup plan. I, I'm remembering this now. Um, I was going to try to fly. But in case I couldn't fly, I was going to I was going to make sure I didn't try to fly unless there was a low, low hanging cloud. <laughs> and uh, it took a while for one to come by, and my parents got worried about me, so they went out looking for me. And I watched them uh, walk around the yard looking for me, and I got scared. Anyway, it took them a minute to find me. I guess is my point. But that's the kind of things kids do that I suppose a father is supposed to set back and instead of correcting and informing and teaching, he's supposed to just figure out what the child wants and, and, and experience that with him. So I suppose my mother and father should have set back and experienced with me the jumping off of the, of the house. No, there are certain absolute truths that parents must instill in their children or you're going to have chaos and death. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? You're gonna have all kind of serious problems. Yes. Well, we've uh, got a we got several folks in, man. This is great. Uh, Jonathan Exum, Brandon Dreshner, Scott Beck, Barry O'Dell, and uh, yeah, that's. Uh, oh, Barry says I don't think Aaron's mic is working. Aaron, have you got uh-huh. your uh, USB codec selected, or is it the mic the Mac speaker? It it said that it was working when I uh, when I tested it. At the beginning, well, it does. It does sound like, like there, there's quite a bit of room noise. It's, it's normally, yeah, it sounds better than it. It doesn't. Let's see. It's showing like it's showing like it's going through through the to the USB. Yeah, well, that's fine. It, 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 it's yeah. it's fine. It, it's look. It's good enough. We're, maybe yeah. one day, whenever we make famous podcasters, uh, right. we can. We can we can spend a we can spend five or six hundred dollars and get you some soundproofing and 
and stuff like that. But well, Scott Beck just said hearing Aaron good here. Okay, good deal. Yeah. Uh, Scott Cook says, I'm glad mine didn't sit back and watch talking about his dad. Hey, you know what? I heard you. I listened to your podcast this morning while I was walking. And if I might, very quickly, you yeah. mentioned Andy Griffith. So I'm I'm a, I'm a big Andy Griffith guru. Yeah. We're talking about letting children decide. Do you remember the hobo episode? That, that, that was exactly that, Andy's speech. Like, that, no. That's, that's we don't best. let children decide. They, they go after the yep. first shiny thing that comes along, and it's up to us. Yeah. So I, it may have been a fishing analogy. It's up to us to to show him the yeah. hook in that shiny thing. So I got it. I've got it written down. He said no when he was told, "Well, just let Opie decide for himself." He said, "No, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a youngin decide for himself. He'll That's grab it. at the first flashy thing that shiny with shiny ribbons on it, and then when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter. It's hard to convince them." that other things might be better in the long run. All a parent can do is say, wait and trust me and try to keep temptation away. That's oh, it. My, I love that. That's it. That's like the high point of the show, really. Oh, you know, I that's know. One of the main, that's it. Them absolute truths that children, they need mothers and fathers that they know. And just like with gender, oh, how I've taught Cheyenne, you know, with my own mouth, honey, God made you a girl. That's a gift God gave you. I mean, always be grateful for that. And babe, one thing that girls can do that boys cannot, and that's grow a baby. That's it. So don't ever think God made a mistake. I've, I've told her that because God doesn't make mistakes. I'm with you. God knows what he's doing. All right. Uh, well, Candries Grant. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Children are a blessing from God. We must be good stewards of them. There is love and discipline, guidance, and boundaries. That's it. Yeah. Sit back and experience it with them. Well, this has been a long intro, Aaron. Yes, it has. Didn't tell, even tell, mention the sons of Issachar. <laughs> I know. it. Tell us about the sons of Issachar. Uh, the sons of Issachar were the men that had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And they were at David's command. So that's it. First Chronicles twelve thirty two. We like that's that. It. That that means even if the elders at your congregation are a bunch of old fuddy duddies, they they need and, and I, I wish I. All right, I'm gonna at the, at the risk of being a little risque. There was a meme going around of a of a of a church that had hung some banners outside, yep. and it's like worship, truth, family. Or no, worship, truth, fellowship, and the banners were arranged in such a way as the first letter of each of this, you know, deal was was bold and enlarged. So from the road, you only saw the first three letters, W T F, which is a, a, yeah. a, it's what the fudge, but the children would say the actual word for unlawful carnal knowledge. Anyway, um, the, yeah. the, the caption was, uh, before your church leadership uh, does any marketing, be sure and check with the younger crowd. Because <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm sure those people don't know the implications of WTF. Right. And, uh, but anyway, th- but that's they what they hung. Know. So that's Sons of Vesicar, signs, uh, understanding of the time. Ju- e- even if you're an elder, you need to surround people you surround yourself with people 
who have an understanding of the socio-political climate and um, people who preach uh, need to have that. I'm not saying get up in the pulpit with a newspaper, but we, we, we understand we need, or we need to understand the world in which we preach and the people to whom we preach that are living in the world and not being of the world. It won't hurt the evangelist though at all to glance at the newspaper and listen to what people on the street are saying so that he can, so that he can, you know, address those things from time to time. That's it. They affect the church. That's it. All right. So we have a topic today and there are no videos by the way, but we, uh, we have this uh, topic about church hopping and this is a topic that's been near and dear to my heart quite often. And, um, we, we need to be, whenever we're in this Google document, we're reading some of it, Aaron, we need to be as vague as possible and try not to read anything that uh, somebody who's listening that's from the congregation that this man uh, wrote this letter from, we don't want to bring any undue burden yeah. on him or, or shine any undue spotlight on him. Yeah. Um, so the idea of church hopping is very interesting. Uh, let me, I'm going to start uh, by way of introduction here. Uh, this Google document. I'm going to read the intro. Church shopping and hopping. This is rather lengthy. Therefore, I want to thank you on the front end for your time in considering this question or situation. Throughout my life, there have been members of the Lord's church that from time to time would leave one congregation for whatever reason and begin attending another congregation within the Lord's church. Our area has eight or so congregations of various sizes, all within a 20 to 30 minute drive of one another. This makes it very easy for folk to move about between congregations. Our congregation has recently undergone several events lately, and the topic of church hopping has been at the forefront of my mind. More specifically, the biblical view of such actions, like everyone, our congregation went through the pandemic. The stress of the situation added to the burden our elders were feeling. The congregation had limited prospects and men qualified to serve as elders, leaving the duty to two men. When one's health became of concern, he resigned, thereby dissolving the eldership. The pandemic, in one sense, was a tool to expose areas in which we are weak. These include not having men sufficiently qualified and possessing a desire to be elder. While having a large attendance number pre-pandemic, those in attendance were lacking in spiritual maturity and fell away during the pandemic. Having a smaller roster of teachers, especially men. After the loss of an eldership, having men that will, be, that will all too eagerly handle the business affairs of the church while neglecting to be about the biblical business of the church. My intended meaning is they work diligently to get the electric bill paid at the expense of spiritual matters. If I focused, I can enumerate more, but I feel that this is sufficient to say that our congregation has deficiencies that need work. In addition, after the dissolution of the eldership, one of our elders and his family began to visit other congregations and eventually placed membership at a congregation about 30 minutes away. To further exacerbate the situation, we have been in the midst of a change in the pulpit. This created some division within the church. The implication here is that some are proponents of no change, while others are in opposition to things in that position remaining the same. With all this explained, some have left 
and it's feared that some still may go. Therefore, I am trying to resolve scripturally what is God's view of church shopping and church hopping. Are there scriptural arguments against it, or am I binding my opinion onto someone? I fully stipulate that my inclination is against the practice. I want to offer my thoughts on why I'm against the practice. I invite you to make sure that I'm not simply proof-texting my position. And so he he goes into some good stuff. It's it's a it's a well-organized Google Doc. Um anyway, uh talk to me Aaron. What what what, what are some of your thoughts about this about church shopping, church hopping? I suppose church shopping ought to be treated a little differently. I understand like if if I'm if I I don't know. Now that I'm talking through this, I might mitigate what I just said. If I'm moving to St. Louis, all right, I think it's incumbent upon me to know where I'm going to worship that Sunday. Mm-hmm. It is not required that I place membership at the first contact congregation I come into contact with, meaning if there are four congregations within driving distance, I'm going to go check out all four of those congregations, and I'm going to... Worship at the congregation where I feel most comfortable. For instance, uh, the Greenfield Church of Christ in Greenfield, uh, Tennessee, whenever we moved to Weekly County, we knew of about three congregations, and we visited all three of them. But um, one of the elders at the Greenfield Church of Christ uh, gave us a tour. He called it the two-cent tour, took an interest in us, and um, we really kind of meshed well there. So that's, but after about two weeks, we placed a membership like there, it it wasn't, Oh, well, you know, I've been going here for three months and you know, I think, you know, maybe it's time. No, it was, it was pretty soon. So I church shopped my family and I church shopped, but I don't think you have to make it. No boy. That was a good double negative. I don't think you have to make it a three or four month process. I think it's, you know, you need to be pretty decisive about it. Because you need to get down to the work of the church and and the business of being a Christian. Anyway, that that's I wanted to start off with that. And Aaron, I've been talking too long. You t- tell us what you got. Well, there's certainly the need to join a congregation, like join ranks with them. You know, you got Acts nine twenty six. Saul tried to join the disciples. He obviously was already a member of the one church. There right. are some some people who think I don't have to quote unquote join, like identify or place membership because I'm a member of the church. Therefore, I'm a member of all the congregations. No, you're not a member of all the congregations. You see locale, local congregations, and you're not a member at Washington Avenue, Tony. As yeah, much no, as you no, and I'm I not. know each other and appreciate each other, and we bump, you know, bump Bible things back and forth to each other. That's not. We're not members of the same congregation. I'm. I'm brethren with the brethren there. We're family, but not yeah. the local family. So it's good and right and scriptural to join for all the, you know, all the. Not only because that's the, the the pattern in the early church, but also just for all the accountability purposes, the one another commands that we have. Yes, I, I, I took a different route, but go ahead. No, I thought no, I think, I, I think you did well there. Let me let me throw this. All right. Um. So this is the fellow's some of his concerns. Um. Mem- we're, you know, we're all members of the body of Christ. Romans twelve four. Uh, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, 
uh, Romans 12, 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. So that, that's a sense in, in the universal. All right? I, I, can, I, can, I can get that. In other words, uh, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? Whenever you partake of the Lord's Supper, I, I partake of the Lord's Supper with Aaron Dotson every Sunday. The, in, a, in a sense, we all drink of the same cup. First yeah. Corinthians twelve twelve. For as one body, for the body is one rather, and has many members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So here's the thing: you you have this is weird. Planet Fitness works on this model of trying to sell as many ten dollar a month subscriptions as they can, memberships as they can. Figuring about ten to fifteen percent of the people will actually use them. Uh, that's their business model. But one of the things that they hook you with is if you'll buy this ten dollar subscription or, or membership, you can go to any Planet Fitness across the country. You have privileges. This one is your home, con- your home congregation. This one is your home gym. Yeah. This this is the one where you pay your dues. Mm-hmm. But every gym that says Planet Fitness on it across the country, you have access to. You can go in there. Yeah. If if you're a member, we'll, we'll take we'll take the Riverview Church of Christ. I'm a member of the Riverview Church of Christ because I'm a member of the Riverview Church of Christ in good standing. When I go to Jonesboro and visit the Washington Avenue Church of Christ, they offer the right hand of fellowship because I am known. It is known. But but as Aaron said, I am not a member of the Washington Avenue Church of Christ, just because there's a sense in which the church universal is one, yeah. that doesn't mean I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm not under, well, now, now I can't think of one of your elders' names, well, uh, yeah. Partey. Yeah, yeah, Partey. I'm not, yeah. I'm not in subject to That's the right. eldership there at Washington Avenue. That's right. They, and they I'm not can't, subject to the brethren at, at Riverview. Exactly, right? exactly. So, so yeah, so we need to be a, in people that identify with the congregation when we find so like you're talking about shopping or looking. Sometimes that shopping, though, this is the thing I was going to add, Tony. The thing about the shopping stuff is often that carries the idea of consumerism, shopping, yeah. like looking for something that just, just I don't know, the 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 most sweet syrup ever or something, you know, just like you're just. Shopping just sounds very worldly, probably to the minds of many brethren. I'm shopping for a congregation. It's like yeah. we have people visit here often from different. Sometimes it's traveling, but sometimes it's people that are in the general area. Yeah. One time, one time, a couple was attending over and over, and I asked them. I said, "They said we're just, you know, we're just visiting to see." And I said, "Well, what are you guys looking for?" I just asked them. That's a I mean, fair question. I, I did, and I, I said it in a way like I wanted to know. I wasn't trying to run them out of the building. Hey, what you looking for? And they, it kind of caught them off guard. I will say, though, they're members here now. <laughs> they, yeah. they identified here. So I'll just give you the end story. But, you know, that they 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 said, well, we're, we're just looking for a, a healthy congregation type thing is what they expressed. And, and Yeah. And I told them some reasons why I thought they had that. They could find that here, you know. Uh, absolutely. But told them to investigate more, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, All there's right. some shopping, some looking there. Um, 
Brandon Dresner says, my mother for the longest time thought LOL meant lots of love. It made for some awkward Facebook Facebook post when people announced a tragic death. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, my we my 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 wife of, of sixty years has gone on to her reward. Oh, I hate to hear that. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think all that. right. Uh, David Stafford says, Have you ever have you brethren ever encountered anyone who had a problem with saying place to membership? I don't, but I have encountered that. Yes, I have David, I've I've yes. run across people who have problems with, with everything. If you parted your hair to the left, I've run across people who have problems with it. Um I and I have heard that, Aaron. Well, you know, this idea yeah. of place and membership is not in the Bible. The Bible. No, no, it is. But what do you think Paul was doing in Acts chapter nine? That's what I why I mentioned that verse, Acts nine yeah. twenty six. I mean yeah, and and, and oh, hold on. Nine twenty six. That's it. Where am I at? Yeah. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But look at the next verse. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. So he placed membership. He placed membership. <laughs> so That's what that he is. was with them. <laughs> That's it. And incidentally, it took a commendation from Barnabas, which a lot of my brethren are like, oh, well, you know, we can't be like those denominations. Well, one of the things that denominations do is whenever you move out of area, you, you take a letter with you. I wonder where they got that. I know. I already looked it up. Do you want to go? They get that from Aquila and Priscilla. Oh, they may have. Let, let me tell you where I found it, though. You, you, you do yours next. Yeah, go ahead. The implication is that this was a common practice. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. In other words, Paul's saying, I don't need to show you my letter of commendation. You know who I am by reputation. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God on tablets of stone, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is the heart. In other words, we made you Christians. We don't need letters of commendation to you, nor do we need letters of commendation from you, as others do. Yeah. Which means that, it's a practice. That was already established between the apostles and the yes. church there. That was already. Yeah, Acts 18, 26, when Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. It says that he, Apollos, desired to cross to Achaia. The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. You know, since Paul, uh, excuse me, since Aquila and Priscilla had lived in Corinth, their names on those letters or that letter would have a, would have would lend weight yeah. you know, to that epistle, to that letter. Well, the book of Philemon is a letter of commendation. Mm -hmm. 
sure. saying to Onesimus, receive him into the fellowship. In my whole life around the church, and I grew up around the church, I recall this happening one time. Yeah. I recall a family who came from a state, many states away to my home congregation, and the eldership from which they left wrote a letter of recommendation. I have only seen that once yep. in my time. I, I think, and it doesn't have to be big. It just, hey, you know, Aaron Dotson and his good family have served here for the last five years. Uh, Aaron teaches Bible class. He's been leading singing. And his wife is a good asset to have when it comes to helping you put together a bulletin. Yeah. And uh, she loves and is and is well-skilled in teaching the cradle roll. That's it. Boom. Yeah. We do not know them to be living in sin. We know them to be walking in the light. You yeah, know. and you wouldn't even have to say that. Just, no, just the fact that you're, you yeah. know. Yeah. But uh, we got some comments here like, uh, when visiting, shopping for doctrinal soundness is appropriate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, well, that, that's another, you want to, you want to test it out for yourself. Like yes. just because you tell me Washington Avenue church of Christ is sound. That's great. That's a letter of commendation, but what am I required to do? I need to go scrutinize. I need to go check it out for myself. That's right. So that's it. That, that's, that's, that's right. it. Absolutely. All right. So, so yeah. oh, go ahead. I was just like, so yeah, you, we got the one side of like shopping or looking and, and we do need, as members, to join ranks with other faithful brethren. But then I'm sure you want to talk more about, you know, the idea of church hopping. You know, you ask, you ask a question early on, you know, what are some of your thoughts about church hopping? My, my thought is people need to stop it. <laughs> uh, yes. people, pe- people need often the reason people are leaving and going to other places is because of unresolved issues. And granted, there are times when division takes place because of doctrine, but like, like, you know, fellowship with God matters. Yes. And, 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 and they won't change. So division occurs. That's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's a different bag of worms than if we're leaving or parting ways simply because we're mad at one another. We sin against each other. Somebody has wronged the other. So often people will not go to one another to seek to remedy those problems. Instead, they have an agenda, like a diatrophies agenda, to yes. control the church or to have their own congregate, their own church, if you will. So let's look here. Here's arguments often heard. And there's two of them listed, and I want to talk about those. But then I want to bring in an article that I wrote several years ago entitled, Why Did You Leave? In, in which I look at four reasons people give for leaving a congregation and going to another, you know, within driving distance. Yeah. So arguments often heard. I'm not getting anything out of being there. And I like what this person says. This argument causes me to shudder. There are most certainly things to gain by assembling of ourselves together. I phrase it that way to lead your mind to think of Hebrews 10.25. Often it is quoted to support the requirement for attendance. However, however, we often fail to consider that we are given the purpose and that we are to consider one another to stir up love and good works and that in verse 25 we are to exhort one another. So there's a scriptural statement of one thing that we should get out of it. And 
I put forth that you're only going to get out of it as much as you put in it. Yeah. That, that that's the thing. If, if and, and it goes back to the consumer Christianity. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack Wilkie mentions this a lot. Like, I, I you're you're not you're not coming to get anything out of it. Quite frankly, you're coming to put into it. In fact. I joke around about the auditorium, like, oh, we don't dare call it a sanctuary because it's not technically a sanctuary, and besides, the denominations call it a sanctuary. Yeah. Uh, we call it an auditorium. Well, have you looked at an etymology of the word auditorium? An auditorium is a place in which people audit. Audit, audit is not participation. You don't get any credit for auditing. No. If you If you audit classes at the Memphis School of Preaching, you get the knowledge but you don't get the fellowship and camaraderie of actually being a student. You don't get the the experience of going through the the trenches and and staying up all night studying and putting the last diploma. minute touches you don't get the on. Same diploma, I don't think. Yeah, you don't get a diploma. You don't get anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an audit. You've audited it, and, and and the and the and the location in which that happens is an auditorium. So sometimes people say, "Well, Tony, what are we supposed to call it then?" And I smile and say, "A participatorium." Yeah. Of course, I'm 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 joking. I think calling it an auditorium is just fine because of what that word means now. But it's just a way of making people think. So if you come to church, quote unquote, come to church, and your purpose to come is to get something out of it, you've already missed the mark. Yeah, you're supposed to be putting something into it. Yeah, whenever you pray, you are coming before the very throne of God boldly. Whenever you partake of the Lord's Supper, you are holding fast the profession or confession of your faith. Whenever you sing, you are teaching and admonishing in psalm hymns and spiritual songs. Whenever you uh, sit there and listen to a sermon, you are participating with the with the preacher, and you are learning, giving that to God. Yeah, receiving exhortation. Receiving exhortation. Mm-hmm. And whenever you give of your means, which that act of worship is the, the, the involvement of the heart and the action itself is split. But you are coming before the altar and you are putting something on the altar. It, it's it's participation. And if you're if you you're not you don't do it to get something out of it. You yeah. do it to put something in it. But the the beautiful thing is when you do it for the right reason, you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like if we worship, like what you just said, if we worship God, the way he has prescribed, meaning spirit and truth, our spirit, our attitude, our intentions and his truth, according to his truth, why wouldn't we quote unquote, get something out of it? Now, if I'm just going to assembly to get something out of it, that's backwards. But if I'm going to please him and glorify him and edify my brethren, then I should, in return, get out of it what he intends me to get out of it, right? That's it. Get out what he intends, not as a consumer, but as a participant and as a beneficiary of (laughs) Jesus' blessings and the assembly, his church. This congregation here in this locale. Absolutely. Hey, we've got 19 folks watching this morning. If if every one of y'all could share this, that would be amazing. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, 
Van Herndon said, uh, stop it, quote unquote. Amen, Aaron, when they're talking about church hopping. And uh, Brandon Dresner says, I've known congregations that have had men serving in different roles, but come to find out years later that those men weren't members of the church. Yes. I think more diligence needs to be used when new people start attending. Yeah, look, there's the, the, the Bishop Street Church of Christ in Union City, Tennessee. They actually have a, a small doctrinal questionnaire for people placing membership. Oh, that's controversial. Mm-hmm. But the elders feel like they that, that it, under the purview of their role as shepherds protecting the flock, don't you have to make sure you're not letting in a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. They have every right and authority to do that. In fact, if I, I think they have... Uh, they have what, the command to do exactly. it. Exactly. That's John, how they're carrying it out. Yeah. Yeah. First John 1 talks about try the spirits to see whether or not they be of God. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure that this person that's placing membership is actually a Christian before you go offering him the right hand of fellowship, or yeah. else you're not you're not uh, uh, you're not you're in violation of, of Ephesians five eleven. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You can't reprove those who are practicing darkness if you don't do the due diligence to find out who they are. And wouldn't it be more important for you to know those kinds of things about people that are coming in and out of the assembly at Riverview as opposed to what somebody's position is on marriage, divorce, and remarriage in California? Ha ha, I'm sorry, that's a bit of an inside joke there. Yeah, with the podcast yesterday of the fella. Yeah. Fella called me from California, won't know my position on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I'm like, what in the world? Why do you even care? Yeah. Like, we're we're 3,000 miles away. Yeah, all the indicating factors shows there's there's a bad motive there. Oh, this yeah. Is not, this is not, hey, this is the way I understand it. Am I missing it? You know, what, yeah. what, what do you know about this passage that I may be missing or something? Exactly. Like that, you know? All right. So, number next. I am yeah. frustrated because. So, I recently heard of two members who visited with a former member and spoke for over 90 minutes about how they were frustrated with the congregation. They felt only a very few were working for the cause of Christ. They had told me once that they didn't feel the congregation was very close-knit. The couple does very well at offering encouragement through cards and calls. She is very active in helping with bridal and baby showers and the like. Their observations are not wrong. I share their frustration. They are also proponents of the outgoing preacher. This adds to their frustration, I am sure. So why did they go to the former member? Like there, there's a lot of stuff here, but but the idea is you're going to have frustrations. Yeah, you're going to have issues. You're not going to mesh well with every member of the congregation. It, it's going to be issues like that. How do you resolve them? I mean, if 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 you had an issue like that where you were frustrated with your son or your daughter, what do you yes. do? You're just going to kick them out of the house? Yeah, or go talk to other people about them. Exactly. You're going to solve it. Well, like you know what? I guess the reason people like my wife's can stay in business is because folks don't. They don't resolve Sadly. issues soon. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a kid's book. Jordan Peterson references, references it a lot. The, 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 the book is called There's No Such Thing as Dragons. And little Timmy, I don't know what his name is, but little Timmy says, Mom, there's a dragon, and it's a little bitty dragon about the size of a chicken. Yeah. 
And the mama says, there's no such thing as dragons. And which eat with each little scene, the dragon grows. <laughs> yeah. All the while, the, the mom and dad are saying there's no such thing as dragons. Till one day, the dragon is so big that it runs away with your house. <laughs> and, and, and the dragon was so big that, it's, that it ran away with the house while the mom and the, and the child were still in it. And the husband comes home from work and the house is gone. Yeah. Like that's so metaphorical. If you if you've got a if you've got an issue in a household and and you ignore that issue, that issue is going to grow so big to one day you're going to come home from work and your wife and children will be gone. Your yeah. your your world, your your house, your your household will will not be there. It'll be like a country song. That's my well, house and that's my yard that or that's that's my that's my yeah. house and that's my kids, that's my dog in my front yard. But who's yep. that man running my life? Yes, mm-hmm. I remember that. But yep. anyway, you got to you got to deal with them. You can't just say, "Well, there's no such thing as dragons." You got to yeah. you got to slay the dragon, and it's much easier to slay a dragon the size of a chicken than it is to slay a dragon the size of a house. Absolutely. Or I know the dragon is there, but I'm not willing to take the Christian armor and do what's needed to try to remedy this. Oh yeah. Like, see, like, this is what I think this part of this document, what this uh, individual saying, you know, these other people in the congregation were frustrated because of the lack of faithfulness and fellowship and all those kinds of things. And the writer of this document says, you know, I, I understand that. I sense that, too. But I get frustrated when people are not willing to confront these issues head on and they're more willing to murmur about the problems. You know, grumble. That's that is so easy to do. To yeah. complain about the problems. Oftentimes, the problems as we see them are there in reality. So it's like we feel justified in murmuring and complaining. We think we're calling it out or something. We think we're we're not. We're helping to perpetuate the problem. Instead of in some kind of systematic way with gentleness and love and great desire and clear communication to talk about the problems, sit down with the people that care and say, what are we going to do as a congregation to remedy these, you know, the problem of people leaving and that kind of thing? Address, address it. Do something. Get on board. Don't sit idle and don't talk about other people. Just work together to bring it to where it needs to be. That's it. God will bless your efforts for that, Matthew 18. It will do what God desired to do. Absolutely. All right. Even even if they remain in sin, it will still do what it was able to do at that time. Absolutely. So I wrote an article years ago called Why Did You Leave? I'm going to read a little bit of it. Are you part of a congregation that used to be thriving? Are you part of a congregation that used to do be much larger in number than it is now? You are not alone. Pandemic or endemic, as the case may be, to the day is the problem of congregations of God's people shrinking. There are some reasons for this shrinkage, the responsibility of which rests squarely upon the shoulders of the congregations themselves. However, There are some reasons for shrinkage over which the congregations have no control nor responsibility. 
This article would deal with people leaving a sound congregation for another sound congregation. That is so important. What Aaron and I have been talking about is not people leaving an unsound, untenable situation. It's we're leaving one congregation that is sound for another congregation that is sound. That's my that's that's my definition of church hopping. All right. And that could be talked about too, Tony, because what happens is these people that leave, they think where they're leaving is not sound. They're, sometimes they're like, we, got, we got sometimes they do. And yeah. they're like, well, it's not sound because you know, there's 50 people here and five of them are unsound. They have an unhealthy disposition and, yeah. and they're the ones that put the most money in the plate. And therefore, we got to go on. Sometimes that might be the case. But again, did they, what I'm thinking is, did they not address it directly instead of talking to other yeah. people or getting up in the the pulpit and hammering it in some generic way? Did That's they it. go to them and sit down face to face and talk about it? Anyhow, That's it. Call it sin and tell people to do right, you know. Right. And if you didn't do that, then it's not bad enough for it to be unsound. I, that's what I'm saying. So many people are like, well, it's unsound. And sometimes it's like matters of judgment. It's unsound. Uh, they now do Bible class uh, after worship on Sunday morning. It's Absolutely. unsound. It's like you, you need to go back and study the doctrine of Christ. You've missed it. Absolutely. All right. Four reasons that I list. Number one, the congregation has no youth. First off, I don't know of any other demographic about which we could say this. Well, I'm not going to that congregation because it doesn't have enough old people. I'm not going to that congregation because it doesn't have enough women. I'm not going to that congregation because it doesn't have enough white people. I'm not going to that congregation because it doesn't have enough black people. I'm not going to that congregation because it doesn't have enough married people. That That's stupid. It, it's wrong. And it's being a respecter of persons, really, yeah. relate to people through Jesus Christ. Yeah. That we're all level at the at the cross, at the foot of the cross. Relate to people. It, it, it's I've never had any problems whatsoever being friendly with people who are in Christ. Because if we don't have anything else in common, we have that. Yeah. Now, let me read you this little small paragraph. If you want a congregation where you worship to have a youth group, then don't take your children from them. How can they have a youth group if everyone with youth leaves and goes somewhere else? If all who left congregations for this reason would come back to the congregations they left, then the congregations would have large youth groups. That that is the most crazy issue and idea that I've ever heard in my life. I'm not I'm I'm gonna take my children away from a congregation because the congregation doesn't have enough youth, thusly leaving them with less or no youth. Why wouldn't I be there and grow the congregation? Like I get that you want your children to have other children with a similar Christian upbringing to be friends with. I get that. But but what happens is people are leaving to go somewhere else. To It's like to receive a service. Instead of yes. being, being a disciple and making other disciples, 
so that you will in turn enjoy the blessing of having more children in that congregation. We want to go where that already is. So this is what I've always thought. So what's the magic number? That's it. How many kids does that congregation need? And I think that's a soul-searching question. Two, two four, five, 15, or 50. Yeah, 100, 500, 2,000. Yep. Well, they only have 500. They only have 100. They only have 40. They only have 10. Like I said, I get it. Like if there were zero children and you had a five-year-old and all the other members besides you and that five-year-old were people that were 80, I get that that you struggle sometimes to connect. I, I get that. But like the charge is not to just go here or there where it's at it. Cause that's not something that I can go to heaven and hell over. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can do the charge I am commanded to do. Yes. And in turn have more younger people. Why don't we take that? That's the charge. The charge and the pattern is not to go where it's at. It's 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 to it's to work and serve to make it can. where you are. Yeah. So what's the magic number? You're gonna go. Well, we went to another congregation. They had twenty. Well, what if somebody else says, you know, twenty ain't enough? The congregation I grew up in, we had a hundred well, and fifty kids. And the thing about it, if but, if your children ain't got no Christian friends. It may be because Christian people don't want to hang around you. Yeah, that's something to consider too. Like there, there's there's plenty of like in Jonesboro, there's plenty of congregations with young people. Yeah, just because they don't all go to the same congregation, maybe maybe you as a parent need to network. Yes, maybe you as a parent, maybe you need to go to the eldership. Say, hey, listen, we have four high school students. This other congregation over here has ten. This other congregation over here has five. This other congregation over here has 15. Why don't we get together and have mixers and have where, where these yes. people can can meet one another and be in, be in yes. each other's lives? Yes. It take, you see, it, yes. The, the problem is it's easier just to go to where those bigger numbers are because then I don't have to do any work. It, it, yeah, like I'm receiving a service or something. Like consumer just, Christianity. Consumer, yes. All right. Number next, the congregation isn't active enough. This excuse is rather foolish. If the congregation where you attend isn't active enough for you, activate yourself. Be busy doing the Lord's work, Galatians 6, 9. Follow the instruction of Paul. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians four twelve. This verse doesn't mean figure out what being saved means to you. It means work until you either go to heaven or paradise. Yep. If you, if everyone who left congregations because the congregations were not active enough would go back and be active, then the problem would be solved. There would be a multitude of activity in each congregation. Paul's there. If I leave a place that literally has no act, like what I think of as events, See, yeah. That's another thing. We're talking about terms here, you know. Well, let's say yeah. I leave a place that has no events and I go somewhere that does. Like, what am I looking for when I go to the congregation that does have events? How many events are you looking for? That's it. Two, two events, 10 events, 200? Because I know a lot of people, if they go to another congregation and the eldership and everything really encourages the membership to attend every event, 
Like they don't say you're going to hell if you don't come, but they get up in the pulpit and say, we really want yeah. our members to be at everyone you're physically able. That's we it. really do. Cause we want you to totally buy into what we're doing. So like a lot of people would go to that and go, Oh, I don't want to do that. They have 30 <laughs> events a year and that's too many. See how consumeristic and that I, is. I know how subjective that is. And, it's like, and I would say that the golden thread in thriving congregations, one of the, there are several, but one of them is the congregation is actually more active in 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 things than every member can participate in every time. In other words, you're you're doing so much that you have to make your members pick and choose. Yeah. And now that's, that's not, hard. And that's not bad, is it? But though? but if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But remember, it all go back to if the congregation where you are isn't active enough, go to the congregation and activate yourself. Exactly. You know what? You know what? You don't have to get your elders permission to do. Obey God. Obey God. <laughs> Be hospitable. Have people in your home. Well, I just this congregation isn't active enough. There, there's no there's no Thursday night devos and finger food well, gathering. Do it. Yeah, you you got a house. Do it. All right. Number next. The congregation has no elders. Again, a very easy excuse to rebut. If you are in a congregation with no elders and you are a man, make being an elder your top priority. If you're a woman, make being an elder's wife a top priority. If you are not able to do either, make sure you are rearing children who are being taught that being elders or elders' wives is of paramount importance. Yeah. The Greek word, which translates the word desire in the phrase, if a man desire the office of a bishop, is a word that carries with it the idea of the natural progression of one who is converted to Christianity is to be trained, groomed, and guided toward being a bishop or elder. Oh, we and, don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. Too long have we let men sit on the excuse of, well, I have no desire. The text does not support that particular shortcoming. If everyone who left congregations because those congregations had no elders would just come back and make grooming elders and elders' wives paramount, when the problem then the problem would be solved. Now, it's not going to be a quick, easy fix. No. It might take a generation. Yep. But you, right. you, you, you're you, there. You have a long vision, and you're going to, to, to groom this uh, set of young people and make them know that being an elder or being the wife of an elder should be a very high priority on your, on your list of things to which you should aspire. Yep. Yep. But again, that's work. That's work. And we don't want to do much work. We don't want to look like I said with each of these. I get it. I would prefer to be in a congregation with healthy, qualified elders working. Why? Because that's the way God wants it to be. Yeah. I get that. But again, 
is the charge to abandon members of the church and further discourage them because there's no elders and go to a place that does have elders? Or is the charge, see, this is, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. Is the charge to the church, like Titus 1 5, you establish and appoint these elderships in these congregations? Well, that's going to take a while, Tony. Yeah, God knows that. Yeah, he yeah. knows that. Just just do it. Put forth the effort and make the goals that God has in his word your goals. Do that's it. it. You'll see differences. You'll see changes. Because you know what? If you leave a congregation, that oftentimes you leave a congregation that doesn't have elders, and you go to a place that does have elders, you know what a lot of people do, though? They become dissatisfied with the elders that are at that congregation to which they went. Cool. Yep. So again, it's like you're not satisfied, and that's we have to check ourselves to make sure it's not. I'm wanting to be satisfied. I want most to go to congregation. Yeah, most go people. Ahead. Most people. I shouldn't say that. Many people don't want elders. They want scarecrows. Ah. They want figureheads. You mean they don't want leaders expecting them to do what God says and holding that's them it. accountable to that? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, most, most yeah the, the people that, that for for whom this is a problem, they don't really want elders. They just want to be in a congregation with elders. Yes. Now, again, we're, we haven't discussed like the other extreme of this. You got a group of people. Let's say there's a group of people, and literally all of them say, "We will not train elders here." Yeah. We want a group of people where every man gets a vote, and that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Not we're not assuming stuff. This is what they say yep. in practice. All right, you're dealing with a different ball game there. Again, it kind of goes back to what I've already said. The charge then would be to rebuke and to exhort and try to correct that. Tony, That's it. Could it get to a point where they say, No, we will not have an eldership that a person has to move on? Very possible. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. We're, we're very, talking about church hopping, not actually dealing with the issues and then there's a divide over what God commands and they have to part ways. I, I'm kind of thinking of Korah, you know, like there's a divide yeah, and it's over, it's over something that God has commanded. Aaron, I think this person is related to you. Ray Lynn Dotson. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, sir. Is that, is that your mother? That's it. Okay. I, I honestly, I couldn't remember. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Lindsay, her her profile just says Lindsay Dotson. That's right. Okay, I, I didn't yeah, know. I if, think so. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. not not. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want you to think I would ever confuse your your wife and your mother. <laughs> but yeah. it's just sometimes people's names that I know them by are not their Facebook names. So I didn't know if this was your mother, or your wife. Anyway, right. Yeah. This is yeah. your mama. Yeah, we don't want to help grow a youth group because that would be a lot of work. We would have to plan our youth events be there and to host the events and set up and clean up from the event and buy and prepare food, etc. We just want to buy a two liter drink and drop our kids off, then pick them up when it's over. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. But that but that's the attitude. And that that's the attitude of what was my hold on a second. What was my four? Yeah, the congregation has no youth, the congregation isn't active enough, the congregation has no elders. Yeah, that's all of it. But if 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 that's going to change, we're going to have to be bought in and do stuff. That that's that's the that's the idea. Sadly, though, what happens, Tony, is there's not the leadership of 
even if it's not elders, like one or two men that are standing by the word of God, you know, like when elders are not available at that given moment, or an evangelist, a man of God, to boldly proclaim what is necessary. And like Van's comment he just made, work to affect the change needed instead of searching elsewhere. Sadly, though, what happens is often it continues to float on to the point where good and otherwise faithful brethren get downright discouraged and Satan starts taking them down a path of discouragement and burnout. That's real. That happens. That's not made up. People get burnout. They get discouraged. Then they start making their own poor decisions. They're not reading the Bible every day like they should. They're not in, you know, they're not fellowshipping with healthy brethren like they should. And so they continue to get discouraged and they just give in, give out, give up. It happens. That's it. It happens. And it's uh, not good. So you mentioned the evangelist. I want to I want to interject here. In lieu of elders, um, I just want to make it sure. And, and and I know Aaron doesn't believe this, but I just want to make this point. In lieu of elders, the evangelist is not in charge. However, the evangelist does have a charge to make sure the word of God has a voice. Yeah. But that's his charge, whether or not they're elders. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So you're going to have, as the evangelist, you you take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Second or first Timothy four 16. You are going, you're going to have to offer spiritual counsel to people who are in charge. Mm -hmm. You make sure the word of God has a voice. Absolutely. That, that, that's the idea. And it takes work. It takes work. Yes. All right. Number next this is the last one. The congregation isn't friendly enough. Of all the excuses to leave one congregation and go to another, this would be the most childish. Friends, if you perceive a group of people as unfriendly, be friendly to them. A proverb comes to mind. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, Proverbs 18, 24. It has been said that the time it takes for, for, uh, to form meaningful relationships with someone or a group of someones is somewhere between seven days and seven years. That being said, it takes work, and it is a slow process. However, it is worth it, and it is something we must do. If everyone who left an unfriendly, quote-unquote, congregation for another would just come back and be friendly, then they would find themselves members of a very friendly congregation. I mean, what, what, can, what, what can you even say to that, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, friendly is not... Uh, fully uh, <laughs> practiced by merely saying, hey, how are you doing? Good. Oh, ain't Good that to the see truth. you at church and, and, and uh, how's your children and all that. If, you, if you're sincere, that's good. But like we mentioned the word a little while back, and I forgot in what connection, but we as a whole have forgotten hospitality. 
I believe you're right. We really have. And it has, in my opinion, destroyed what should have been. Like it has, I mean, well, it's just. Confronta- confrontation with an individual hits differently if you have sat across the table and supped with them. Yep. It hits differently. We get that, or at least some of us, with children. Yeah. There's been confrontation because of disobedience. If that child is otherwise being cherished and loved and nurtured and quality time and healthy conversation, the child may be mad as a hornet. But later on, they'll, you know, and sometimes for younger people, including me, it takes growing up a little bit to be like, well, mom and daddy wasn't that bad. They, yeah. And then a few weeks later, a couple years later, you're like, they were they were actually really good. And then when they die, you cry and go, they're about the best they could have been. I don't know how they could have been better. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you learn and grow, you can change. You, you can think differently about things all because of the way you're treated, the hospitality, the the kind virtues that are shown toward one another in Christian fellowship. It makes a world of difference. Yes. So uh, there are fake friends and then there are faithful friends, faithful friends, fake friends flatter you, but faithful friends help you get to heaven. That is Proverbs 27 um, all over the place. Um, let me read this with you. In fact, this this be a good passage of Scripture to end on. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from its place. Don't be fake. Don't boast about what you're going to be doing. Don't boast about what you're doing now. Don't try to appease the anger of fools. Don't try to stand up to the scrutiny of the jealous. Keep people around you who will love you enough to have a confrontation, verse 5. In other words, they say how much they love you behind closed doors, but when it hits the fan, they're not standing with you. It would be better for them to openly rebuke you than to love you behind closed doors. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the flattery of an enemy is deceitful. Might as well say, verse 6, have a true friend, a faithful friend around you that will tell you what you need to hear. If you go seek these fleeting things, these dopamine rushes, You're going to be like a person who is starving, who finds a honeycomb, and you're going to engorge on those things 
and you're going to be sick. And you will be like a little bird because you're going to want so much more dopamine. You're going to want so much more approval from man. And you're going to want the easy way out so much that you're going to roam and you'll fall from your nest and either the impact will kill you or a predator will scoop you up and eat you. Yeah. Roaming in these places you don't need to be. Because you're looking for something that the world can never give you. Yeah. So when it comes to the idea of a church not being friendly enough, make sure you have a healthy understanding of what being a friend is and go be that. Yeah. And you will find yourself a member of a very friendly congregation. Tony, have you been able to scrutinize this sentiment that we were, that we heard in school a lot? Good people that are taught right will do right. I, I, I believe, yes. I um, think that's, that's true. I, I mean, give, you know, maybe define a few terms, but, I, you know, people that are otherwise trying to do what's right, they're not just what people think of as hellions. They're not just these heathen, barbaric. No, they have a conscience, and they are doing godly things. Maybe they're just missing a few things in their life. We, we yeah. all are like that from time to time. And it's like people that are otherwise doing right, they just need to be taught better. And that's why, like you said, the evangelist's job is that the word is heard. Yes. And these sermons, a lot. I'm going off on another concern, but a lot of times in my judgment, congregations fail as we see it because the word of the Lord does not have a voice like it's these generic sermons. It's these people walk out of the assembly. You go, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the while, the congregation's not practicing evangelism, discipline, accountability, hospitality, and on and on the list goes. It's just like, but yeah, we think we're a peaceful church. We think we're a sound church because the preacher, he preaches the paint off the walls when we're in there. And then next thing you know, five, 10 years later, the congregation, it busts. It, it go, And people are leaving here. It's like, what was going on? It looked like it was healthy. No, there was something on the inside that people were not acknowledging. They were not identifying. That's Any it. thoughts on that? No, that's, yeah. So um, you have to be real, like in a therapy room. You have to be real with your situation. That's why a therapist is a lot of times called a shrink because they'll take your problems that are so huge and overwhelming and they'll shrink them down to a more manageable level. They won't change the problems. They'll change your perception of them. And um, a systems approach to therapy is taking one uh, scenario in your entire system and extrapolating from that one little issue how to deal with your with your whole system. That's why they're called shrinks. They shrink it down. Um, LaBeth often says, people are doing the absolute best that they can do. And the way you know that is true is because if they could be doing better, they would be doing that. It's like the heroin addict. You know, you might say, well, that old heroin junkie, you know, he's just gutter trash. He's this, that, and the other. And he could do so much better if he just tried. No, he couldn't. He doesn't He doesn't possess the tools. 
because if he could do better, he would do better. A heroin junkie is a perfect example of someone who has repented, yet does not possess the ability and 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 um and wherewithal to bring forth fruit meat for repentance. In other words, he can't stop the heroin. Yeah. So how do you help him? Well, you don't assume that he's an evil person living in squalor because he wants to be there. Assume that he's there because he can't do anything better. So instead of instead of uh, fixing the the um, uh, well, what is it? It's the symptoms. Instead of dealing with the symptom, you go in and you give him tools, and you and you actually cure the sickness to deal with the problem. Yeah, yeah. Which goes back to good people who are taught right will do right. Yeah. Yeah. And most and, and probably all people with the with very, very few exception, you know, sociopaths, psychopaths, stuff like that. Yes. Yes. Um v- very few people are, are different. Yeah. So very. like my my saying that, the reason I bring that is because like we're talking about congregations, local congregations, yeah. church hopping and all these kinds of things like that. Why is it that there are congregations that otherwise seem like they're good congregations? But then 20 years later, five, 10 years, they like, they bust. They, people are leaving. People are, well, I yeah. know, I know, yes, sin is involved. I get that. People, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't have to be sin. It doesn't. They just are not honest with what's going on. Yeah. And and they don't understand what got them there. I, I, I don't want to yeah. call them any names or any names, but, um, you know, there was a congregation that in the, in the 80s, was close to 300 members. Yeah. And just went down from there. And by the 2015, 2016 was 40 or 50 members. Why is that? Why was there a constant? Well, I believe it's because there were multi-generational families. And in order for any church to grow, it has to have a strong, uh, small group uh, dichotomy. In other words, you have um, smaller groups within the congregation, and the, and those relationships are 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 healthy. Um, that shouldn't be; those groups shouldn't be differentiated within the congregation based on family familial bonds. Yeah. And that's what happened with this congregation. They were they were the the small groups. The congregation of about three hundred people was made up of about four or five families. Yeah. What well, what happened is the next generation did not associate their uh, the, did not associate with the church. It only associated with the family. Yeah, and there were people that I would talk to whose um, th- they still considered themselves quote unquote part of this church, but they had not darkened the doors and in, 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 in twenty years or more. Yeah. But it's my it's where my family goes, yeah. And so they they weren't honest and, and and couldn't and weren't introspective enough to see what was going on, yeah. And once you start that helix downward, it's almost it, well, it's not going to rectify quickly. Oh. Uh, I really like what the uh, Fairview Church of Christ in Middle Tennessee does. Um, they make sure that these uh, these small groups. Are cultivated and they're not they're not familial they're they're not they're not familial designations. 
Yeah. Uh, one of the things that they do is, or they did, I'm assuming they still do this, every year they have a, a chili cook-off, and the catch is one of the members of the youth group has to pair, partner, with one of the older members of the congregation, like one of the seniors, yeah, who is not blood-related to them. And these yeah. two people come together, and they cook this chili, and then yeah. it's judged, and you get first, second, third prize, and the whole congregation wins because you have a big chili cook-off. That's cool. Yeah, we had a meal for our older people here, like the young at heart, you know, type thing. Yeah. And I was thankful that the few people that helped organize it made sure that the younger people were connecting with the older. And I was noticing that that it wasn't just it wasn't with family or limited yeah. to family. It's got to be. Somebody did that on purpose, I think. And, you know? and, and I'll tell you something else that happens is let's say you got a congregation with 30 youth. All right, so those those kids age out. So you, let's say you've got 15 seniors. They age out and they go to college. And the congregation is really good focusing on the youth and the youth group and youth activities, and they have a youth building, and they go on youth trips and stuff like that. And the young person goes off, and they go to college. They're challenged. Their faith is challenged by the professor, all this, that, and the other. Then they come back home to be recharged, regrounded, and rejuvenated. And they go to their spiritual support group, which is the youth group. It's not the church. There's just one problem. Now they are no longer part of the youth group. The youth group has changed fundamentally to the point where for them there is no youth group. And they don't feel a connection to the congregation as a whole. Yeah. So they come back home and they don't get that rejuvenation, regrounding and recharging. Yeah. And revitalizing. And so they leave the faith because they're not rooted and grounded in the congregation. They were rooted and grounded in the youth group. That that's why that's why having your youth group uh, integrated with your congregation is so very important. And that's yeah. why you don't need to let the 19-year-old kid with skinny jeans and a faux hawk wearing a T-shirt that says, Jesus is cool, dude, be in charge of your youth group. Yeah. You need to have the old man, the old graybeard, yeah. the old fatherly figure be in charge of your youth group. Yeah. They're going to make fun of him. He's going to be silly. He's going to be dad-like and, and do dad stupid stuff. But it's going to be better. Yep. And that's my two cents. Yeah, sounds good. I like that. It's, it's all this. All, we've talked about a lot of good things. This is, you know, it's almost just like church health is what we've talked yeah. about, too. And well, I think of Titus, too. I think a good uh, We got to close. So I'm going to, yes. in closing, let's, let's, let the last chapter, the last chapter, the last little paragraph of my article, I think, sums it up what we've talked about today. Can we see how that every response to the excuses offered by people who have left sound congregations for other sound congregations is to come back and be the solution to the problem that made you leave in the first place? Friends, I implore you, if you have left a congregation for any of these reasons or such like that we have discussed, go back to the congregation you left and put forth the work sowing to the Spirit 
and help that congregation that you left. Yeah. So to answer the question, is it ipso facto sinful to leave a sound congregation and go to another sound congregation? The answer would be no. But you better make sure that you've got a reason for leaving that you can justify to the people that you're leaving and that you can justify to God. If you don't, it's not going to go well for you on the day of judgment because you will have become a divider and not a uniter. Yeah. Yeah, and when people leave that are otherwise faithful, godly people because they're discouraged, they usually do not realize the discouragement they bring upon others when they leave. That was mentioned in the article that we originally addressed, you know, the person that wrote this document that we shared, not the one you have written that you added to, but oftentimes they don't realize when godly people leave a congregation, it's a, it's a huge amputation and and they leave, they leave and they think going to another place is solving their problems, but they did not help to solve the problem at that congregation. It only made it more difficult for those that were left behind. I think that's something that's, to be considered, too. That's it. And always, always understand the fact that it could be you that's a problem. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> could be you. Everybody could be long-suffering with you. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, closing thoughts. Uh, that's all I got. I'm out of soap. Thanks for listening to us and a lot of encouraging comments. Appreciate it and share the video with others if it added value to you. Well, we've certainly had a good crowd today, and I hope you would share this. I hope you would subscribe to Cogitations Podcast. Be sure and like the Cogitations Facebook page. Be sure and go to Two by Two Podcast and like that page and, and subscribe to Aaron's podcast as well. This has been Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now. Be sure and look at the um, show notes if you're listening to this after the fact. There will be ways to support me and way to support us. Um, just consider doing that. Thank you so much. And this has been Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now. And we'll catch y'all on the flip side. <laughs>